Good morning, friends, and great to be back with you again. We've been talking about what the Christian life looks like as a life of faith. And uh, one of the great uh, men of faith in the whole of the scripture is Abraham, the father of faith. And we've been looking at his life and learning what it means to trust God in all situations, to to, to put our confidence in him, to obey him and to live for him. And, uh, and, and so we're going to continue thinking about this uh, today. And hopefully we're growing in our faith, in our trust of God. Hopefully we're walking in obedience to him and, and we're seeing progress in our life. Um, uh, it, it, you may have thought though that the the, the life of faith would be maybe something easy or something that, that would be a bit of a cakewalk. And we find from Abraham that that just isn't the case. It's not all easy. It's absolutely rewarding. But you think about his life. He was called by God to leave home, uh, leave his country, leave his religion, leave his culture, leave his lifestyle, leave his family, and go some uh, about 1,200 kilometers away from home and not knowing where he was going except God said, you go and I'll begin to lead you and, and end up there. That's an incredible journey. In that journey, he, he confronted famine. The danger of starvation was pressing in upon him. There were hostile leaders that were after him. He had and, and understood what it was like to have relational conflict. Uh, he went to war against five city-state kings uh, to rescue his nephew. And uh, through all of this, he has been waiting patiently for God to fulfill his promise. And we're like 24 years of waiting and nothing has happened. That's a life of faith, a life of trusting God, even when it doesn't seem like things are moving ahead for you. He's suffering the odd lapse and succumbing to fear. He was a man like us. He had feet of clay. He had challenges. How about you in your walk of faith? Are you, are you experiencing some challenges, some difficulties? If so, I, I hope you learn with us all as we journey together what it is to trust the Lord. You may be feeling, though, today like you're on a bit of a losing battle. You may be feeling like, I'm, I'm disappointed in myself. Uh, I, I want to be more than who I am. I want to be more of a person of faith in my life. You want to be better, but you're also confronted with just the realities that you're blowing it in some areas of your life. Uh, you, you think, you know, I don't want to go back to that pornographic site uh, on my computer, and yet here I find myself staring into there, and, and, and you say, I, I, I don't want to do that, and I'm so disappointed in myself. Uh, perhaps you've, you, you said, I, I, don't want, I want to stop shouting at our kids and losing my temper and flying off the handle, and, and here you find them screaming abusively at them one time, and you feel like such a loser in that. Maybe you vowed that you, weren't, you were done with dope, and here you are, puffing on another joint. Uh, perhaps you said you were going to commit more time to your family, to your wife and your children and being with them. But another week has passed by and you indulged yourself in things that you like and going out with the guys and sports and all of that kind of thing. 
Well, it can be difficult and we can feel like, is there any place for us? Because sometimes it seems like we're losing the battle. God wanted purity in our relationship. And maybe with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you've just pushed those boundaries and, and been inappropriate. And you're struggling with this. Perhaps it's just that, that you're using your, your tongue for all kinds of terrible things, tearing people down, trashing them, uh, hurting others with your tongue, and you, you're disappoint, disappointed in yourself. The reality is we all blow it. We all fail at different times. And uh, if you have felt demoralized and defeated and you have sinned and failed, I want you to know that you're not alone. And in fact, that Abraham himself has experienced that. I want us to understand first that sometimes we disappoint God and we disappoint others. We're in Genesis chapter 20. And in Genesis chapter 20, it says that Abraham goes to Gerar and he's living there. And the king of Gerar is Abimelech. And uh, Abraham says to Abimelech as he is in his territory about his wife, Sarah. He says, she's my sister. And so the king of Abimelech sent for her and took her to be his wife. Imagine, here's a woman who's on the cusp of 90, and she is so hot that foreign kings want to bring her into their harem. And, and here, this, this ought to sound familiar. If you've been traveling with us through Genesis and Abraham's journey, this will sound very familiar to you. Uh, Abraham went because of uh, a famine down into Egypt. And while he was in Egypt, uh, he said to Sarah, here's the deal with what we're going to do. I'm going to say that I'm your brother. You say uh, that uh, you're my sister. And, and uh, because somebody's going to look at you and think you are beautiful and they're going to take you and kill me so that they can have you. And we learned how disappointed we were in Abraham and what he did and, and, and threatening the whole future of God's plan and kingdom. And, and, and so here's a guy who he has blown it and here he's blowing it again. He's doing the very same thing and, and years and 15, 20 years have passed now and he's still playing that same game. The father of faith, the guy that we look to, the guy that is so also so human. And sometimes we idolize and idealize people and we don't realize even in our heroes that they're, uh, they're human like we are and they blow it. It's a risky program, but God had promised Abraham that he would be a, a great nation he would be blessed and he would bless everyone, all the nations of the world. And now he's giving that up. Now he's giving up his wife yet again to be taken into the harem of a pagan king. The whole plan of salvation is being jeopardized because of this man of faith in his lapse and his faithlessness and his sin. What a disappointment it is to us. What, I'm sure what a disappointment to him also. Uh, and, and it's interesting. So often we see after times of great spiritual victory, there can be lapses and we can slump, slump into places that are bad. 
Um, this, we see this happening over and over again where there's spiritual victory. It comes with sometimes susceptibility and temptation. Think of the great prophet Elijah, who is standing up against 450 prophets of Baal, feeling all alone, standing by himself, and God answered his prayer in a marvelous way, brought down fire from heaven, and, and uh, all, the, all 450, uh, 450 of the uh, prophets of Baal are slain. And, and uh, he, uh, Elijah runs for his life. On the, on the heels of this great, great victory, here he is, um, depressed and running far, far away from God. Think of the great uh, apostle Peter, who would be the head of the church, and, and Jesus says, uh, who do people say that I, that I am? And they rehearse the, the typical things that people thought maybe who Jesus was. And then Peter stands up and says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And Jesus says to him, uh, Peter, this is, this is fantastic. You didn't come by this yourself. This was given to you by the Holy Spirit. And here's this guy to be the, the head of the church in Jesus, when Jesus goes. And, and what do we have here? Nothing but him and, uh, and his failure. He turns around when Jesus said, look, I've got to go to the cross. And Peter starts chiding him and, and, and uh, you're not going. I'm, not, I'm going to see that this isn't going to happen. Great mountain peak time in susceptibility and temptation. And he says, oh, Peter, if you only knew, uh, you, you are on the, on the threshold. Satan has asked to sift you. Well, we need to be aware that after times of great highs, we can be susceptible and we need to be careful with that. And it's so tough to know that we have disappointed God. We've disappointed ourselves at times. And, and here is Abraham in the same place. And it was habitual for him. We, we read in scripture that it, he says everywhere he went, he said, Let's, this is our line. This is our gig. This is what we're going to do. This is what you say and I'll say. And, and he, he had this, this ongoing uh, problem with lying about that. And we get in and see when Isaac is born and Isaac grows up and is married in Genesis chapter 26. We see that not only has, has Abraham had a, a bad uh, go that way and a bad influence, he through his life, influenced in a, in a bad way, his son Isaac. So Isaac was doing the same thing uh, that, uh, that Abraham was doing. Well, secondly, we learned that uh, instead of being a blessing, as God's people, we can hurt others. This is a terrible thing. God created Abraham to be a blessing to the nations of the world. He gives us as followers of Christ to be a blessing to others, to help and to encourage them. The reality is, instead of being a blessing, sometimes we can be a curse to people. Um, so here is Abraham, and he has, he has done this thing. And Abimelech, the king of Gerar, has a dream one night, and he's, he, he, God speaks to him in this dream, and he says to him, you're as good as a dead man because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now, here's, a, here's an interesting thing. Even for a corrupt culture, 
there was something about adultery and, and the sanctity of marriage in that way that, that many of those pagan uh, uh, cultures uh, uh, prized and, and uh, upheld. And, and here's uh, Abimelech, and, and God tells him, now you, if you go near her, if you so much as go near her, I'll tell you what, I will destroy you and the nation. And he, Abimelech, to his defense, comes back and says to God, but he, he said to me she was her, her, her sister. Um, I didn't do this willingly. I didn't do this knowingly. Uh, he told me this. And, and, uh, and, and so he said, I, I have a clear conscience in this. And God says to him, and yes, you have a clear conscience, and I have protected you from doing wrong. Well, you can imagine uh, how, how mortified he was uh, to see this, this happening. And, and so he was instructed re to return Sarah to her husband. Uh, God protected her from touching him, from touching her, and, and threatening the whole plan of God. And so early the next morning, Abimelech summons all of his officials, and, and they have a powwow about this issue. And they were very much afraid. They were afraid for what God would do to them. They had more of a fear of God than Abraham had. Uh, his sin would have a devastating effect. And God protects uh, him from sinning against her, and he protects Sarah. Um, something God did, we, and we don't know what it is, but he closed the wombs of all of the people uh, there. And it was probably some kind of a, a, a sexual disease that they had, and it, was, it had plagued them all. And getting to the bottom of it, they find out that the problem was Abraham and what he had done. He ended up cursing them. We can see that we can hurt other people by our sin. We can hurt other people by faithlessness. Achan did that when, when the Israelites moved into uh, 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 Israel, when they, when they first went into the land of Canaan, and they went to war against the uh, inhabitants there. And, and Achan did something that he shouldn't have done. Everything that was taken in that victory was to be dedicated to the Lord, and he was overcome uh, with covetousness, covetousness and, and he took uh, silver and gold and clothing and put them, uh, buried them in his tent, and he brought on the whole nation a curse. They had people who were killed because of his sin. We have a guy like King David who, who sins, who's to be a blessing to the nation, and he takes another man's wife and, and gets her pregnant, and then to cover up, he... Uh, he uh, causes uh, his, her husband to be put in a position where he's going to uh, lose his life in battle. Terrible, terrible things. We as believers are to be those who bless, and yet sometimes it's sa sad when we're hurting other people, when we're sinning, when we're giving a, a, a black eye to, to Christianity. Well... At, uh, at, this kind, at this juncture, um, we realize that sin is not something privatized. It's not something that just doesn't hurt other people. When we sin, we hurt others as well. And, and thirdly, believers can receive a stinging rebuke from non-Christians. 
as, as Christians, we can be on the end of legitimate rebuke by people who are not Christians. He, listen to what Abimelech says to, to Abraham when he confronts him. What have you done to us? Why have you brought this on? How have, you, how have I wronged you that you bring such guilt upon me and upon my kingdom? You've done things that shouldn't be done. Isn't it terrible that this great man of faith is being called out by a pagan king for his, his uh, actions, which were uh, so absolutely wrong and jeopardizing others? And Abraham says, but, but uh, she is my wife. And he had this little technicality that Sarah was actually his half-sister, same father, different mother. And so he's kind of trying to justify himself. And he can't justify himself. It was his wife. And, uh, and uh, he says, well, everywhere we go, we say the same thing. She's my wife. And, and, and so we see that the believers can really hurt other people by the things they do. And the problem was that Abimelech feared God. When God brought this message to him, he took it absolutely seriously. But Abraham didn't fear God as much as he feared Abimelech. And with all that he had seen, the faithfulness of God, this was a, a terrible tragedy on his part and a blight on his, uh, on his faith. Uh, we wonder why some people don't want anything to do with Christians. Sometimes it's because they've had really bad dealings with people who are Christians. I, I remember uh, as a young guy uh, playing uh, hockey in a church league, and it could be, it could be terrible, chippy, um, uh, people being uh, nasty to other people. Um, we, we see people who are Christians who are bad-mouthing others and, and tearing people down. And, and we wonder why people aren't interested in our faith or why we have a lack of credibility. I know somebody who said to me, hey, look, at I, I, I got into this investment thing and I, I just want to share it with you. And uh, I said, well, I'm really not interested. And, and uh, later, uh, a guy, a prominent Christian guy, had taken millions of dollars from Christians who earned their trust and then he went and, uh, in, with this Ponzi scheme, and they lost all their money. And I asked this guy afterwards, I said, did you lose money with this guy? He said, yeah, I did. And, and here are people who are losing their whole retirement uh, plans because of somebody who, who does, who's a Christian who does something hurtful to them. Uh, we've seen that kind of thing over and over again. And, and it, it's an embarrassment to God. It's an embarrassment and a blight on our faith and the name of Christ. Uh, the the uh, best things for, for promoting our faith is Christians who live like Christians. And the worst thing is Christians who blow it. Well, is Abraham washed up? Is there no place for him? Is there no future for him? I'm mean, here he's doing the same thing again and again, he's hurt others. He's brought disrepute on the name of Christ. And, and, and I want you to know, fourthly, that God can still reuse repentant believers to fulfill his purposes by his grace. 
there can still be a place for you if you've blown it time in and time uh, and again. And we read this story, and all along, we feel, we, we see that God is doing something. Behind this all, God is protecting, preserving. Uh, God is, is keeping Sarah from, uh, from being abused. Uh, God is uh, protecting the plan of salvation that he has all along. And the, uh, the underlying thing in all of this is grace. It's grace. I mean, I look at this, and I am... I am shocked and abhorred, and yet I can't get over the grace of God. Abraham messed up terribly. He doesn't deserve anything from God. He doesn't deserve to be the man. Uh, God, God's plan could be ruined, and yet God in his grace and his mercy didn't do that. And in fact, he said, you need to tell Abraham to pray for you as a, as a prophet, He's my prophet, and he'll pray for you, and I will take away the scourge that I put on you and your, your whole household. And, and uh, so here we see uh, that Abraham now is, is going to be sent packing, and, and, and the, Abimelech says to him, I, you, if you look at the land before, you can have the very best of the land that's around here. I'm not chasing you off like Pharaoh did. I'm inviting you to stay here. I, and I'm going to give you uh, of herds and flocks. And I'm going to give you servants, uh, men and women servants. And I'm going to pay up a thousand shekels of silver. That is an obscene amount of money. That is like... That's like about uh, a, a, a laborer's wages for 150 years. It's an incredible amount of money. And, uh, and I'm going to pay you off. Uh, and, and he says to him, for your brother's sake, just rub it in a little bit. Yeah, you call him your brother. I'll call him, I'll call him your brother as well. And Abraham was asked to pray for Abimelech, which he does. I, I'm almost embarrassed by this because in, through this wrong, he ended up profiting and getting more and more. And I'm thinking that doesn't sound fair, but that's the grace of God. That's God's grace. What we don't deserve, what we can't earn, uh, what we shouldn't have, God has blessed us in that way. And God will bless all people through him. I look at this and I think that's not fair. It's not fair that, that he should be blessed in that way. And I wonder if you've thought that about other people. And I want you to know that the grace of God is such that even though you've blown it, the grace of God can be extended to you and you can have the hope of a future and you can have the hope of finding service in God's kingdom. Peter wondered whether there was any hope for him. Peter, who was brash, Peter, who was the, the guy who's, if, all else fa if everyone else fails you, if all these other disciples let you down, I never will. And Jesus said, oh, yes, you will. And Peter three times denies even knowing the Lord. And, and the Lord restores him. There, you see, there's grace for us in our failures and all that we do wrong. There's hope for us. There's a place that God still has for us. And you, you see, this teaches us that, that though we are unfaithful, God is always faithful. 
God is gracious. Uh, we're, we're here today and, and because of God's faithfulness and his promises to us. In, in 2 Timothy 2, it says this, If we are faithless, he will remain faithful. He will remain faithful for he cannot disown himself. In, in 1 Peter 1, it says this, We are kept or we are shielded by God's power. We, don't even, we, we aren't even the ones that keep it together. God is keeping it together. God is honoring his word and his promise to us. Well, the Christian life is about God's faithfulness and our response to that. And though we can feel demoralized and defeated, there can still be a place for us in God's service. And, and Peter learned that uh, early on. And that's not to excuse our sin and our wrong or to justify it. Uh, we are shamed by it. But God is, is, uh, cares for us. And, and, and he calls us to return humbly to him. And if you've blown it and you've made a mess of your life and, and you've hurt people, there still is the possibility of a, pay, a place for you if you'll turn back to God. Uh, when I was in, in college, uh, I read uh, a number of books by Gordon MacDonald, who was uh, a pastor in the Massachusetts area, um, had an incredible ministry. Uh, his books were stimulating and, and motivating. And uh, I, I heard that he had had a moral failure. He had uh, committed adultery on his wife, and I was so disappointed. And I listened to a... Uh, uh, a, a report uh, of being interviewed by someone else, asking him about this, what had happened to him, and was there any hope for him in the future? And he said, you know, somebody had asked him, Gordon, if Satan were ever to get you, how would he do it? And he paused for a moment and thought. And then he said, well, I don't know how he'd do it, but I'll tell you how he wouldn't do it. He wouldn't do it by virtue of my marriage. We have a rock solid marriage. Wouldn't you know that that was the place that temptation got him and he had an affair on his wife. And uh, he said this, a strength unguarded is a double weakness. I'm, I'm pleased to be able to say that three mature Christian leaders took him under their wing and helped restore him. And he went on to have a fabulous ministry and to continue to write. And uh, you see, there can still be a place in God's work for you. There can still be a place for turning back to God and being restored to him. And my prayer for you is, if this has been your experience, that you would turn back and realize that God is gracious and he will open his arms to you if you come back as his penitent son or daughter. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you so much for the truth uh, that we see in the life of Abraham in this encounter. Though he is a great man of faith, though he is a superstar in the faith, he was very much human and he blew it. And we thank you, God, for your protection of him and Sarah and the plan of salvation. We thank you for your grace that has been poured out upon him and allowing him uh, to be able to uh, be restored fully and, and to continue with the work uh, that you had for him to do. 
Father, may we revel in your grace. May we not take it for granted. May we open our hearts and lives to you and humbly come to you when we need uh, to find forgiveness and repentance and restoration. And we thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Amen.